1: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast we chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host Danny V. Today I welcome Adam Thompson to chat about his book Born Into This. Adam has won several local writing awards and is passionate about his community. He has worked for the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre for almost 20 years, caring for Aboriginal land and heritage and preserving community history. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Adam
0: Thanks for having me, Danny. It's a pleasure to be on.
1: Now, I've heard about this book. I was speaking to someone before and they said it was one of their favourite reads this year. So when I picked it up, I had high expectations and um, it was truly beautifully <laughs> written. Um, can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this collection is about?
0: Yeah, OK. Yeah, thanks for saying that, too. Um, look, it's, just a, it's a collection of uh, 16 short stories, contemporary Aboriginal-themed fiction Um, and it's all set in uh, Lutruwita or Tasmania, uh, where I'm from.
1: Lovely. Now, the book explores some hard topics, and it well should. Some of those are discrimination, classroom politics, untimely funerals, the ongoing legacy of cultural destruction and the disappearance of the remnants of of the natural world. Of course, these are important topics, but why were they important for you to explore and include in this particular collection?
0: Well, I just, I just come from a, a position of storytelling, Danny. Um, you know, I like telling a good yarn and I like reading a good story. Um, and so, you know, I, I just came from a position of wanting to tell stories. And, you know, I, I you know, my whole life is part of this struggle, you know, this battle. Um, I work at the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre. I'm part of the Aboriginal community and, you uh, you know it's just always a battle trying to protect our heritage try you know the government just kind of slapping us in the face with something new um, you know there's always something you're always in the back foot it's always a struggle and I guess you know these things are coming into my mind as i'm as I'm telling these stories um, and 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 that just comes through like that i i I wanted to write something that was um you know, reflective of what's happening in Tasmania, you know, in the Aboriginal community, and you know that would resonate with people all across Australia, and um, and these were the kind of themes that just came through in the work.
1: Mm. I wanted to know that you know you might have come into the writing with some ideas and some experiences, etc. But did was there anything that really surprised you when you started writing and you thought, wow, where did this come from? Um.
0: Yeah, probably not so much in the themes, but just in the in, in the, the creation and of the characters and the development of the characters. I mean, I like to read about that's what captures me in a story is the characters and seeing their development and their growth and even in a short in the short form, you, you're getting that. Um, so, you know, I guess at, when I've kind of polished the stories as time's gone on and looking at the characters and and being and being pleased with the way that they've kind of presented themselves. Um yeah. that's surprised me the most, I think.
1: I actually thought the characters were wonderful as well, and I particularly liked the characters in um, the first story, actually, The Old Tin Mine, and I thought they were very well drawn. I felt like I could just picture myself there and picture the protagonist, and and this is a story about, you know, boys who attend a survival camp, um, but they live in two worlds and they've been townified, which I liked that term. (laughs) Now, is this something you're obviously concerned about, about losing that connection to their culture and their land?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in this modern world, there's so many things that um, I guess keep people in the city and, and, you know, playing with their phones and that's that sort of thing, especially young people. Um, I've just come off the islands. Uh, this is mutton birding season at the moment in Tasmania. And, uh, you know, I've been mutton birding with my family and my community for the last few weeks, um, participating in this important cultural activity. And, you know, really i mean the tradition of mutton birding is is a very important thing in tasmania for aboriginal people because it's this continual activity that's been occurring since our ancestors um we're doing the same thing and it's it's one of those activities that's just remained very very important for our community for that cohesion and the culture and um and unfortunately you know it, it is in decline um it's still an activity that's continuing but there's kind of less and less people going um as time's going on and and that is because of that assimilation in a lot of ways is you know there's the way people live our lives now we kind of you know if you're on centrelink you've got a report um if you if you have a job it's difficult to get time off and if you get time off you know for only a set time of year do you want to spend it you know doing some other even harder job over there on the muttonbird island so um you know, and, and people, you know, are kind of addicted to technology and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's uh, assimilation and being townified, on that. That is an issue, and, uh, um, and it's come through in that story, the old tin line. Yes.
1: Mm, absolutely. And I found it interesting how he said, you know, we've lived on this land for thousands of years without your bags and without all these stuff you've got. And it's interesting, isn't it, that I think sometimes a modern society makes you so unable to be self-sufficient and you rely so much on modern technology that, you know, it's, it's terrifying for some people that if you go out, you know, into that survival camp that you can't do it because you don't, don't know how, you don't have the skills.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And there's a line in there that the character says about, um, you know, when he's talking about these youth doing this activity, he says, but they need to know what separates them from their Aussie mates. And, and that's an important thing, you know, for people, um, you know, in our community, they, um, you know, they have this knowledge that they're Aboriginal and they've got a knowledge of, you know, their, their past and their ancestors. But it's the participation in these cultural activities that, Um, helps solidify their identity and that's important to get them involved in those activities when they're young.
1: Mm, Absolutely now just touching on that story again I really liked the link then to the environmental depletion of resources and you know the water just not being there anymore and I thought that was also an important topic or theme that came through in those stories about you know the depletion of our natural resources or the negative impact we're having on our environment.
0: Yeah absolutely and I mean that themes in a few of the stories, um, sometimes quite subtly, and even in that story, it's it's kind of in the background a little bit. Um, because you know, I mean, we're all seeing that in recent years, you know, with the with with fires and climate change, and, um, and uh, you know, and in, in again, to bring up mutton birding, you know, the uh, the, the changes in the ha- the habits of the mutton birds, and um, you know, it's kind of scary.
1: Mm. Mm. Tell me about that. What's happened with those?
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, pe- people blame over harvesting
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: for, for causing a decline or um, a change in the population of the, the mutton birds, but that's not the case at all. Uh, it's uh, global pressures and uh, climate change that's uh, affecting the mutton birds. And, it, you know, it affects the availability of their food, the weather patterns. They go on a huge migration right up. To Alaska in a big figure eight, um, it, you know, a huge effort, you know, physical effort for the mutton birds, for the adult birds. Um, so there's a lot of things that are happening along the way, um, and even just minor changes in in the climate, um, and like I said, food availability and and the temperature of the water, the sea, um, that can affect them. And uh, and unfortunately, when they get back from their migration, it can affect their their breeding cycle and. Um, and it's the chicks that we harvest, so it's the the breeding and the chick numbers that's important to us. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's incredible that we're experiencing this in in bits and pieces, but it's terrifying to think where we're going to be at because of these environmental changes and because of climate change in you know 30, 50 years, and look back and think, you know what can we do now so we're not looking back with such regret? I mean, what are the things we can do, do you think?
0: I, I don't know. Um, you know obviously we have to be conscious of these things and we need to be monitoring the changes um and you know we need to keep a cool head and mm. and uh i guess continue to lobby uh you know the the, the people in in power um mm-hmm. to 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 make to make changes on that level on a government mm-hmm. level to uh, yes. try and improve the improve things so, yeah.
1: it's a big yeah thing. i just i fear looking back thinking geez could i've done something something better but it's it's big you know it's it's big and it's hard
0: yeah well perhaps there's a job for writers there too you know if yeah. we all kind of chip away with uh with our work and include a bit of this stuff in our work maybe it'll uh, that affect some right. people
1: <laughs> i always think that books have the power to change the world that's why um at some point in history they banned them because they knew how powerful <laughs> they were absolutely now, I want to talk about the story Invasion Day. It's a really important story. It's a powerful story and it demonstrates, you know, some division obviously within our community and within the story and prejudice and some people's, I guess, refusal to listen to what this day means for Aboriginal people. Can you talk me through this story and then talk me through, you know, your thoughts on, on that day?
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, so this story is um, it's set from the perspective of a person who's involved in the street march on you know, Australia Day and Invasion Day. It's set in Hobart. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's just fiction, but, you know, every year in Hobart we do have, um, we have a rally and sometimes we have a street march that accompanies that. So it's really following the perspective of a person who's involved in that. Uh, And them kind of, I guess, just uh, observing what's happening around them and my hope as the as the writer was that people would kind of see what it's like to be part of something like that part of a protest and to experience the thoughts and feelings of somebody who's involved and then of course you know it gets to the end and this person you know has had this kind of something planned we we see along the way they're planning to do something they're feeling these feelings they're, they're feeling this kind of anxiousness about this activity that they're going to do at the end presumably and when it gets to the end we see that they burn the flag they burn the Australian flag in in in, uh, in anger and in protest against uh, you know the, the continual um celebration of a national day and a day that's offensive to aboriginal people and an unwillingness for you know the people in power to change the date so that that's the story and um and you know that's it's important to me, and I've been involved in similar activities as well, with protesting, and I've been I've burnt the flag myself in kind of different circumstances, and that happened in Launceston, and uh, you know I copped a lot of flack over that. Um, I think Kevin Rudd was in power at the time, and he's commenting on it, and there was Tasmanian politicians wanting to put me in jail and make these laws against flag burning, make them retrospective so they could charge me. You know it was a big deal. Um, but we don't see that in the story. Of course, it's, it gets to the end, and um, they decide to they decide to burn the flag, and it's left up to the to the reader to kind of work out what happens next.
1: I find it astounding, though. When you touched on then the unwillingness to listen, or the unwillingness to, you know, like you say, look from the perspective of what the day means to Aboriginal people. What do you have to say to those people who just don't have a willingness to listen?
0: Um, I, I don't know what to say. You know? I mean, I've, I've tried. I mean, I've written letters to the editor. I've spoken on the, the radio about this and on te- television. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, you've got this, there's a few different camps of people. There's the people who are kind of, I'd say, anti-Aboriginal and think that we're just a bunch of whingers um, and we're always going to be complaining about something no matter what happens. There's those type of people. Uh, and then there's just a there's the other camp of people who are just generally resistant to change. Um, and and then you've got a, another group of people who who think we're trying to spoil their fun, um, and that you know we're we're trying to end this kind of uh, celebration of what it is to live in Australia, which which we're not. Um, you know, this is a it's a beautiful place to live. You know, people are very lucky to live here, um, and I don't think we're begrudging anybody a chance to celebrate living in this place. we you know we're very lucky to. Um, but it's just the date that's the issue, and um, we, we don't have an issue with a, with a national day and a, a public holiday, um, but just do it on a date that, that doesn't represent the invasion of the country. Mm. And um, so, yeah, there's a few different camps. Um, look, you know, it's it, it, the date will change, you know, and the more people who, you know, every year who start supporting it, it's inevitably mm. people. Um, you know, the, uh, our supposed leaders are going to start seeing some mileage in um, supporting it as well for themselves politically and then things will start to change.
1: It's remarkable because, you know, growing up in Australia, Australia Day, Invasion Day always was celebrated and as you look at the statistics year after year after year, you see less and less and less people celebrating Australia Day in its, you know, original form. So that is, I guess that is good. That is optimistic. Um but, you know, we still have a long way to go, don't we?
0: We do, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. But No. You know. and, and the other thing too, I mean, it's not going to solve all our problems as, a, as an Aboriginal people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, it's just a, it's a, it's a sign that Australia is moving, you know, forwards yeah. and yeah. is looking at uh, healing the past and reconciling. It's yeah. a baby step, but it's an important one.
1: Absolutely. But what was the hardest story for you to write? Because these are coming from real places and real experiences and people you know, and and you've worked with the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre for almost 20 years. So was there a story that you found hard to write because it was, you know, showed a lot of truth or it was painful or it was brought back memories? What was hard for you about this process?
0: That's a good question. I mean, it it is all fiction. I mean, I've talked about my own experiences and they're all kind of interwoven into this. But, I mean, it it is fiction. But I guess Um, you also
1: always bring even if you don't know it, you bring yourself into your writing, even if it is fiction, even if you, I guess, subconsciously perhaps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to steal from life, don't you? (laughs) There's a story in here um, called Aboriginal Alcatraz. uh, That's, you know, it's about, you know, a a ranger, a couple of rangers that work on the islands in Bass Strait and, and one of them, you know, goes to one of the bigger islands where there's a pub to get some grog and and, and the other one who's the main character is kind of waiting for them to come back and it gets really rough and they're kind of worried that they're out on this. You know, it's, it's a lot of tension in the story. That was probably the hardest to write because, uh, you know, trying to to keep that tension there um, and, and I've experienced something similar as well. I used to be a ranger on the islands and, mm-hmm. and I know what it's like in, in those circumstances. So, yeah, probably that story, I think.
1: It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. interesting. Now, I know that you are from Tasmania, but it seems to be a setting that has a growing popularity in fiction. Um, what does Tasmania mean to you and how did it, as a setting, shape the stories or shape the book?
0: Well, it's, you know, Tasmania or Lutruwita, which is its true name, to me it's home, you know. It's, it's, you know it's, I've lived here all my life. I've kind of been elsewhere a couple of times for a year here and a year there, but, you know, it's always been home. So I, you know, I guess I wouldn't even attempt to write about anywhere else. Um, it's certainly not because I, it's popular or it's the place to kind of write about at the moment. It's just Yeah, it's home. it just seems and, to be an um,
1: emerging, you know, I see a lot of books that have Tasmania as a setting.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe it's, I, I don't know what the answer is. but
1: to,
0: <laughs> I mean, for, for me, it was the right time to, um, to, to, to tell these stories and to, to create this book. Um, perhaps if it had happened, you know, 15 years earlier, the publisher wouldn't have been interested. Perhaps <laughs> right. that was why they were interested, perhaps because it was <laughs> trendy in <and> Tasmania. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, but I mean, I couldn't write about any of really. I mean, I could, I could try, but it's never mm. going to come across as, as, as authentic. And that was one thing that I really wanted to um, to, uh, to be a characteristic of this book is its authenticity. Mm. And from the reviews and the feedback that I've read, um, I think that I was successful
1: with that. Mm. Now tell me about short stories. It's a bit of a different process to writing, you know, a long fiction novel because short stories are hard because they, you've got to compact them and you've got to have the right rhythm and pace. And like you said, you've got to keep tension, but then you've got to be able to show and develop these characters in such a short period of time. So tell me about your process for writing short stories.
0: Okay. Yeah. So my process is, um, I I come up with a story idea and then I don't write anything for ages. Wow. And then I give myself a deadline. I go past the deadline and then I rush to write it.
1: (laughs) Well, it seems to be working for you.
0: (laughs) That's heaps of procrastination, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, look, that's how it goes generally. Um, But, yeah, look, I do. I I think about the story. I like to have all of the story in my head pretty much um, before I start start to You know, write it down. Um, Sometimes I don't know the ending though. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I've just got the kind of guts of the story.
1: And you work. Uh, But I do
0: spend. Yeah, yeah. I come up with an idea. Um, Usually I'll make a note on my phone. Yeah. Usually I wake up in the morning and I've got some new idea or whatever. Usually it involves bed. Some. You know, I'm laying there before (laughs) bed or I've just woken up. I put the you know the idea in my phone and I think about it for a fair while and then um, come up with the characters and. uh, and uh, you know how it's going to go and hopefully an ending and then when I'm kind of satisfied that I've got the story in my head and I I would be able to tell somebody that story um, then I then I sit down and write it and I write it pretty quick
1: Mm. do you think you know you said you spend a lot of time thinking about it procrastinating but it seems that that procrastination is actually a process for you where the story's, you know, percolating in your head and developing in your head, maybe without you really knowing it. So when you go to write it, it's almost a fully formed story. Do you think that's what's happening or you are just procrastinating?
0: No, that, that's what I tell myself. I tell myself it's part of my process.
1: Yeah. And the publisher, no, no, it's right. It's happening. It's being written in my head as we speak.
0: Yeah. I've got a mentor that I've driven crazy. You know, she, she's, um, Kate Gordon is her name and she's a lovely person, a fantastic author and a great mentor. And, uh, you know, she's very, you know, punctual and, um, and, and I'm the opposite. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure I've kind of driven her mad over the years, the last couple of years working together.
1: It's funny. I've spoken to a lot of writers and, you know, so many people have different processes and they wish they were the other process of whatever they don't do, you know, pantser or, um, you know, plotter. But I think you've just got to be true to whatever it is and however your brain wants to write. Because I think forcing it into another way might not work for you. So, you know, this works for you. So... <laughs>
0: yeah well I'm I'm I'm, I've started writing a novel I mean that's a bit of a different experience Mm. well
1: that Um, was my next question next for you so let's talk about that
0: yeah okay yeah um so yeah it's a novel um I'm not going to tell you what it's about (laughs) it's it's I can tell you it's set in Tasmania Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course um (laughs) it's um it's gonna be different I mean it's you know the the short stories are, you know, been described as being kind of poignant and themed and and all that. It's this is it's different than that. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a novel. It's 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 more about you know the characters and mm-hmm. the, the character arc and the story. It's all set in Tassie. It's pretty gritty and um and a bit low life. So yeah, um, I'd be interesting to see what people think. Ooh, I've still got a lot. Go I've still it. got a lot to go. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and how do you feel? Because you know you've gone from um, a collection of short stories, and I guess you can write and go, okay, I'm finished this. You know, you might go back and edit it, be finished. But writing a novel is a whole different beast. I mean, you're probably looking at what, eighty thousand words or so. Um, how are you feeling about that? Coming from a collection of short stories.
0: Yeah, look, it's um, it's pretty overwhelming. I'm not a writing a novel. It's not like I write the short story collection and that's like the, the logical next thing. Um, <laughs> everyone expects a novel, um, you know, and, you know, the publishers like a novel because it's, you know, a little bit more commercial. Um, I mean, I kind of like the idea of, you know, um, of trying my hand at something new. I mean, I like that. I like challenging mm-hmm. myself and I like I like reading a novel too. You know, yeah. I love short stories, but I also appreciate a novel. Yeah. um I, I, you know, you can get away in, in the short form with not resolving things and um, having a, a bit of an ambiguous ending, which I like personally. I kind of like to, to, to finish a story and kind of think think to myself, you know, I think that's how it went. Mm. I think that was the ending, but I'm not quite sure and I like to think about it later. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm conscious too that in the, in the longer form, when people are um, investing so much more time in the story, um, that they kind of expect more of a resolution um, and a, and a and a decent kind of satisfying ending. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm very conscious of that <laughs> um, and having to kind of deliver with that. I think yeah, I think there's a lot more expectations in in a novel. Yeah,
1: I think but you know of-
0: look I'm. I'm I'm feeling good about it, though. Good. It's, it is overwhelming, but it's a good challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And my question that I ask all the people who come onto the podcast, and it is my final question: Why do you write?
0: I, I think it's just the same as because why do I read? Um, you know, I, th- I think I read because it adds to the human experience, um, and it's more satisfying than seeing something visually. You know, you. We all know you're creating the picture in your head, and I suppose I just, uh, as a as a writer, I like to um, I like to create that vision for people. Um, create it in a way that they recreate it in their own mind. Mm. Um, and I just like I like to tell stories, and uh, I just want to add to that pool of of work that's out there, all the amazing work that's out there, and just contribute to that. I think.
1: Mm, that's a nice answer. I love hearing people's answers for why they write, because it's not often something people think about consciously. They do it, and they know they need to do it, but it's interesting when you try and <laughs> verbalise it. Well, I loved this book, this gorgeous little book, and I loved its little short stories. And I don't, I haven't read a lot of short stories this year, but I really enjoyed, um, you know, going into them. And did you, I'm interested in the order. Before we go. When you order these short stories, did you do that? Did the publisher do it? Was there some sort of thread? I was trying to work it out as I was reading it. When you ordering, yeah, short stories. yeah, at
0: some at some point in the um, in the kind of final um, back and forth I had with the publisher, we we had this discussion about the order of the stories, mm. and I think that we we put them together. I mean, I had a list, and then they had a list, and it looked pretty similar. Okay. And really, I think when I was when I was coming up with it with an order, it was really about trying to I guess um space out the the perspectives um so some of them are in the first person some are in the Mm -hmm. third and there's also you know um there's some from the female and some from the male perspectives as well so I guess we just kind of wanted it to to stagger them
1: um, properly
0: and some of the also some of the themes that were in the stories we didn't we wanted to space them apart a little Mm -hmm. bit as well
1: yeah that makes sense I was actually you know being my brain, I was trying to find a thread. And thinking, you know, is it obviously you're trying to tell a bigger story, a whole story within the little collections of short stories? But um, I was interested in how that was ordered. That question was just for me.
0: <laughs> there's two, there's two stories in there that are kind of connected. Um, this Invasion Day and then Kite. Both of them have the kind of theme of, of Australia Day. And yep. um, in in Kite, there's a reference at the end to somebody who burnt the flag. Earlier in the day, okay, which is happens in Invasion yep. Day. So I guess that you know the order yep. of those had to be correct as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. I was always trying to figure that out. So thank you for clearing <laughs> that up for me. <laughs> No, gorgeous right. gorgeous little book important book as well with so many you know great themes and wonderful characters and I, I really um I think it was very they were very powerful stories that I really enjoyed reading so I think um I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this this, this little collection and I know I've spoken to people already who have said to me gotta read it you know I said I am it's on my to be read list it's I'm getting there <laughs> because they really <laughs> enjoyed it as well so it's been wonderful to speak to you about it and um all of those important issues that uh we talked about as well so thank you so much for your time adam
0: no thank you very much for having me on the show and, uh, and thanks for saying that about the book i really
1: appreciate it